You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And we're back together again after quite a while to bring you a very special bonus episode of Movie Therapy dedicated to the 2022 Oscars. Yes, indeed. We have the gang back together. Rafer, I am so excited because I got to say, you and I, for all the years we have worked together, we've always had such a blast talking about the Oscars. Yes. As I've said many, many times before... I love the Oscars, and yet the Oscars never love me back. I give my heart to them, and yet they hurt me. They never give me what I need. They never give me what I deserve. But I can't I can't resist. I have to always talk about them, and you're my favorite person to talk about the Oscars with. So uh, we're going to have so much fun today. It's going to be good. We are going to do our, our usual. We're going to go through the top categories. We're going to name the movies that we want to win. And then we'll talk about the ones that we actually think are going to win. Yes. And we'll also talk about one category that we're both feeling a little less than enthusiastic about. Oh, just a little. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> but before we get to that, Rafer, can we just talk about the hosting team this year for the show? Yeah. So we had this year three um, very funny uh, actress slash comedians. Uh, it's Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, and Amy Schumer. And as you might imagine, uh, Kristen, me, uh, Newsday film critic uh, out in Long Island, we're all very excited, very excited out in Long Island about Amy Schumer. You know, she's from yes. Rockville Center, right in our backyard. <laughs> we're all very, very, very hopped up about this. Um, so it is kind of an interesting team. You know, I, I don't know what to say. The Oscar host, uh, a thankless job, a thankless oh, job. Oh, gosh. You can rarely do it right. Yeah. And I mean, I got to say, I'm a little surprised with this trio. Uh, Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer obviously are, you know, seasoned comedians. They know how to roll with the punches. They know how to improv things. Regina Hall, though, was uh, kind of a surprise to me because I think of her as more of an actor than a comedian, even though she's been in some very funny movies. Right. So I'm curious to see how that's all going to work out with her and these two comedians who can be a little more off the wall than her. Well, and I also think 
think of Wanda Sykes as really not a movie presence at all. I think of her as a, as a television and stand-up person. Um, and I know that Amy Schumer has done her share of movies, but in a way I think of her a little bit more as television too. So there's a big part of me, uh, you know, the Oscars tend to cobble these things together at the last minute in a way. And um, there's a big, especially this time. And it seems to me like this is a little bit of a grab bag that kind of chose. It sure <laughs> like, is. You know how like yes. when you've been shopping for a friend's birthday party, you're kind of like, I, I don't know, I, th- oh, this? Yeah, I'm running up and down the aisles of Walgreens and I'm right. like, okay, I'll put this nail polish in here and these Does socks. Like candles? I guess he yes. likes candles. Here's some candles. <laughs> right. Socks, nail polish. Uh, here's oh. some cocktail swizzle sticks. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Everyone likes Hershey's Kisses. I'm just going to throw <laughs> those in the bag too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, you know, they've, they've chosen, I mean, again, Again, like you say, Regina Regina Hall, not necessarily known for her comedy chops, but they've chosen three people that are that are talented and, and that are that could be funny. And you know, I think it's all going to be in the writing with the Oscars, so. <laughs> which is frequently terrible. <laughs> no, so we'll see, we'll see, and it'll be up to them to see if they can, you know, reproduce that sort of uh, that sort of uh, viral moment, right? Like Ellen DeGeneres with the selfies, mm. things like that. You know, can they produce that kind of moment? I I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to find out. Uh, we will see. We will see. But now, Rafer, we got to talk about the categories. And specifically, we are going to start this show the same way the Oscars themselves always start the show with the nomination for Best Supporting Actress, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. We are going to name the nominees and then we are going to say who we want to win and who we think will win. Go ahead, Rafer. So the nominees are, they are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Ingenue Ellis for King Richard. So Kristen, what do you make of that, 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 that stack of nominees right there? Well, <laughs> I think... You'd sound unhappy. Well, I just don't think there were a lot of great roles for women this year, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of the movies just... You know, this was not my favorite movie year. There are a couple movies this year that I absolutely loved, but um, I, I just think that there were not a lot of great options for uh, women in acting this year, unfortunately. And you can really see it in this list, in my opinion. But there is one person who I really think is a standout who I want to win, and that's Ariana DeBose. Okay, tell me why. I think you are not alone on that one. Well, she is absolutely magnetic in West Side Story. I mean, she is on there and just like a glimmer of her half on the screen just makes everything sparkle as she moves across the screen. And she's so vivacious. She's so versatile. And she brings a very wide range of emotions and contradictions, personal contradictions to the movie, uh, some of which are exciting and some of which are heartbreaking. And I don't think that's always easy to pull off in musicals where things can kind of come off as, you know, theatrical and exaggerated. But she really brings something human to this role. And I just loved her in this movie. I loved her so much in it. But what about you, Rafer? I think she was great. Um, and I think she deserves a lot of credit for being, you know, so young and stepping right into this role that uh, Rita Moreno had made famous yes. uh, in yes. the original West Side Story. That was, you know, uh, I feel like whenever you talk about Rita Moreno, it's the absolute first thing you think of. It just like it solidified her in our minds. And yeah, I thought she was really good. My choice really would be 
a kind of an unknown that I don't think is a name that registers with most people, Jessie Buckley from The Lost Daughter. So she, if you haven't seen The Lost Daughter, uh, folks, it's uh, Olivia Coleman uh, stars as a woman uh, who's on vacation in Greece, and she's um, sort of flashing back in a very unpleasant way and basically dredging up a lot of uh, terrible memories of herself as a young mother and all these mistakes that she made. And Jessie Buckley is the actress who plays Olivia Coleman as a young mother in those flashbacks. And I liked the movie a lot. But Jesse Buckley is really the main reason I think that I liked it. I mean, Olivia Coleman's great and everything, but I would really in some ways say that the movie really belongs to Jesse Buckley. Those scenes of her and her husband at the time and her uh, two daughters are so, God, just riveting and harrowing. And also you really understand what this young woman is going through. You understand her frustrations, her limitations. It's such a great performance. Um, but, Kristen... I think Ariana DeBose is going to win in this category. I think she is a shoe-in. And I'm going to agree with you. I think the winner will be Ariana DeBose. I think so. All right. If, you're, if you've got your office pool, mark that down right now. We said. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Kristen, let's move on to Best Supporting Actor. All right. The nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. So, Rafer, what do you make of this body of nominees here for Best Supporting Actor? Well, I'm a little bit the opposite of you. Um, I, 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 I've actually thought this was a, a, a much better movie going year than last year. Mm. And I actually felt like there were a lot of really strong performances in the supporting actress category. Um, I actually thought there were a lot of people to choose from. But this, this uh, I'm not that excited about the uh, supporting actor uh, category this time. J.K. Uh, Simmons, I think, is wonderful uh, in, as uh, as uh, William Frawley, the guy who plays uh, Fred Mertz on The Ricardos, mm -hmm. he's great. Jesse Plemons, really good in Power of the Dog, but it's a very understated role. There's not a lot to it. He's really just, it's a very reactive role. Cody Smith-McPhee, Power of the Dog, good role, but I wasn't that, you know, riveted by him necessarily as an actor. I mean, I thought he was good. I wanted him to start an indie band. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But right. that's not the point. That's not the point of the Oscars. Death Cab for Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, and then Kieran Hines, who I always think is terrific. But again, very small role. So I'm going with Trey Kotzer uh, from CODA, who I thought was great. He, he's a deaf actor playing the deaf father of a hearing girl in this movie who um, who wants to be a singer. And he's this great kind of crusty old fisherman guy, you know, and um, and it's a, it's a really great, lively rounded character. He's not just the deaf guy. He's got his own whole personality, his own whole world that he's living in, this great relationship with his wife. He's funny. Uh, he's sort of infuriating. It's a great role. He's great. So that's my, that's my pick, and I'm pretty sure he's going to win. What do you think? Well, I hate to sound like a copycat here, but I totally agree with you, Rafer. I want <laughs> Kotzer to win, and I think he absolutely will win. His yeah. performance is so good in this movie. At, at times, it's so subtle, and it's just a slight look here or a turn of the head there. 
And at other times, it's just ridiculous and comical in the best way. Right. He really has like such a wide range of things that he's bringing to the screen, things that he brings that are necessary, I think, because it would be easy to just think of this movie as a teenage coming of age movie in a lot of ways. Right. But he brings something so much more nuanced and human to it. And there are times where I'm just like, oh, this dad. He's breaking my heart. I love this dad so much. Yeah. And yeah. And he really, yeah, he, he really deserves it, in my opinion. He really does. And I think he's, uh, I think the fix is in on Troy Kotzer because he is, uh, he's already won the Screen Actors Guild Award uh, in this category. Uh, first deaf actor to win the male supporting actor category at the Screen Actors Guild. And that usually tells you who's going to win at the Oscars. So I'm pretty sure he's got this one in the bag. Well, we'll see if the Oscars agree with the Screen Actors Guild, Rafer. We certainly will. We certainly will. (laughs) All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. But while we are away, feel free to rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It only takes a moment. When we're back, we'll tackle the best lead acting nods. Stay with us. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. Hey, everybody. We're back. More predictions and preferences for the 2022 Oscars on the way. We're going to move on to the lead acting categories, starting with Best Actress. Kristen, why don't you read these? All right. The nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Well, Kristen, this has been a very, very interesting category to follow in sort of a, it has. a horse race slash stock market way, right? It's yes. Just been- <laughs> Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel like every week it's a different prediction. Every week. 
<laughs> Penelope Cruz is up. Penelope Cruz is down. <laughs> All of a sudden, this Nicole Kidman comes out yes. of nowhere. She's the front runner, and it's now it's not Nicole Kidman anymore. <laughs> now it's Kristen Stewart. Yes. Or really, really, it was the other way around. It seemed for a long time that Kristen Stewart was the front runner, and then all of a sudden, Nicole Kidman came out of nowhere. Yes, but I mean, it's everywhere now that Nicole Kidman is going to win, all the betting pools are saying Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's really, really, really been up and down. So listen, uh, if if you're out there, if you're out there listening and wondering who to bet on, uh, I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. But here's what I'm going to say: my personal pick, Olivia Coleman for the Lost Daughter. You love this movie, Rafer. You know, I'll tell you something funny. It's not even so much that I loved the movie so much, although I did like it a lot. Really impressive debut from uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal as the director based on the Elena Ferrante novel. I liked it a lot. Some A lot of great performances in it. Um, Ed Harris is in it. And I guess, I, but I just really was so impressed by the acting. I guess you would expect that from an actress turned director. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Olivia Coleman in this movie is just, I mean, she, you, she, it's one of those rare performances where you see everything she's thinking in her eyes. And it's like, and it's this long, long list of like emotions that come and go. <laughs> like, that's like, that's like, you know, desire, regret, fear. It's like, you know, self-recrimination, all, anger. Yeah, right. It's just like, <laughs> I feel trapped. I hate all of you. I love all of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, right. Exactly. You know, it's defensive. I'm going to destroy everything. And you just see it all right in her eyes. How does she do that? It's like amazing. Um, you know, I think um, it's it's funny because, I, like I say, it's not so much that I was bowled over by the movie. I liked it a lot. I just thought she was really, really great in it. And up until, oh, I don't know, a few days ago, I would have said Olivia Colman would win. But now, you know, the, uh, the uh, Oscars Dow Jones has flipped again. And I'm going <laughs> to say it's going to be Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye. I think she's in. You know what, Rafer? I would love it if you're right, because she is who I wrote down for my want to win. Really? Best actress. No kidding. Yes. I want Jessica Chastain to win. You liked her that much in this movie. Well, full disclosure, I'm going in with major bias. I've always been kind of, I wouldn't say obsessed with Tammy Faye, but very fascinated with her. I really loved the (laughs) documentary, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which came out first many, many, many years ago. I loved that documentary. Uh, I think that she's a complex character. She's somebody who is so childlike and so sweet in some ways, and yet at the helm of something so terrible, um, (laughs) you know, the televangelism network. And I I really thought that Jessica Chastain brought what needed to be brought to the role, something that's very sympathetic to Tammy Faye, whereas I think somebody else would easily – fall into the role of just doing caricature with her. It's very easy to treat Tammy Faye as a caricature. And I think of course. Jessica Chastain brings something much more sympathetic to her. I really think she does. So I would love it if she won. Interesting. And do you, so that's your pick for who you want to win. Do you think she will? No. I think really? Kristen Stewart is going to win. No. No, Kristen, yes, she's I not. Yes, I do. Yes. No. Yes, Rafer. Hear me out. Okay. I know that she's no longer the front runner. Do you remember when she was the front runner? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's all everybody was talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. And she won all of those regional awards, like Palm Springs, Chicago, and so on. She won the Critics Award from IndieWire. Yes. So I just think she's going to surprise us and kind of like come right back and be in the front again. 
I think she's going to do it. Ah, oh, that's a very, that's a that's a bold a bold prediction, Kristen. I think she's going to do it. Kristen Stewart again. Once again, we should say if you haven't seen uh, this movie, Spencer Kristen Stewart plays Princess Di. It's by the same director who did Jackie with um, Natalie Portman as Jackie Onassis, Jackie Kennedy, and um, Kristen Stewart got raves for that performance. I think the m- even just for the stills. Remember when the stills yes, were well, released yes, and I people were like, "Oh my gosh, she <laughs> yes. deserves an Oscar just for this photograph." <laughs> Oh, but this is very interesting. All right, uh, Kristen, I'm going to be thinking of you on Oscar night. I'm going I'm going Chastain, you're going Kristen Stewart. She really committed to the role. She really committed to this. Yes, yes, no doubt, no doubt. Gothic fairy tale role. I wish that actually the writers and directors committed as hard as she did. I might agree with you on that one. She really makes that movie what it is. That's she true. really does. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting, Kristen. All right. Let's move on, Rafer, to another interesting category. We are going to be talking now about Best Actor in a Leading Role. Who are the nominees? They are Javier Bardem, being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, and Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. What do you say, Kristen? I say I could not care less. Come on! I just am not excited about any of these performances, to be honest wow, with you. not even Will Smith and King Richard? You know what? I thought he was perfectly entertaining. I think of King Richard as, um, I've used this term in the past, a medium movie. Yeah. And he does perfectly well in a medium movie. A movie you take the whole family to yep. after Thanksgiving yep. dinner or Christmas dinner. Uh, there's nothing surprising. Everything's predictable, but he does a very good job with a pleasant, predictable script. You get to stand up and cheer at certain moments. You get to see very clearly who's on the right and who's in the wrong. Here's a good guy. Here's a bad guy. Yeah. But I actually think Denzel Washington was better in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm. And I'm not someone who needs any more Macbeths in the world. I really couldn't care less about Macbeth. Yeah. But Denzel Washington... He is so electric in this movie. He's really good. It never feels like he's reading a dated text at all. Right. There's something about his delivery that feels so current and so alive. Like these are not dead words from centuries ago. Right. There's something about Denzel's delivery that every time he was on screen, I like I felt electricity. He's so good in this. Yeah. I don't think there's a chance in the world he's going to win. No. But I, I kind of understand why he's nominated, and uh, but I also kind of understand why no one's talking about it, because nobody really cares about Macbeth right now. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 did, it did seem like a somewhat random movie to kind of drop in the middle of yes. this particular moment, and yes. I don't know if maybe that would have landed better pre-pandemic or something. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say about that, or if it would have landed the same way. But um, I agree that it, did, it just didn't kind of, uh, I don't think it really struck a chord with anybody, even yeah. though even though he was great and Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth is just priceless. Oh, she's great God. in it too. She God. is too. She just kill you with a look, Frances McDormand. She's fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. But okay, so you, so, so, so your, your, the, uh, your favorite is uh, Denzel Washington. Do you think he's going to win or do you think it'll be someone else? No, no. I I actually think Benedict Cumberbatch is going to win, Rafer. Okay, okay. And, you know, I this is another thing where, like, at one point people were like, yeah, he's definitely going to win. And then it kind of disappeared. I mean, I don't know. And now I feel like everyone's saying that Will Smith is going to win. Everybody's saying that Will Smith's going to win. 
but I actually think Cumberbatch is going to do it. You think he'll still take it? I think he is. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, Power of the Dog is very, very uh, much admired by critics around the world. It's cleaning up at all sorts of award shows. Yeah, it's the biggie. It's the biggie. Yeah. And so I think Cumberbatch is going to get it. And yes, I am a Cumberbitch, so I'll still be happy for him. (laughs) But um, do I actually think his was the best performance of the year? Like I said, I think Will Smith was very entertaining, and I think Denzel was electric in a movie I didn't really care about. Well, I, I will agree with you that I think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, is a strong front runner. I think he delivers a great performance in that movie. He's uh, he's uh, sinister and and bizarre and and sadistic, yet also kind of sympathetic. You feel your heart kind of goes out to this sort of poor monster that this guy has become. It's a great performance. I personally really, really, really liked Will Smith in Mm. King Richard. I just thought it was a great, old-fashioned, heart-tugging Hollywood performance. I totally agree with you that it's a pretty straight down the middle movie. I mean, it's 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 a it's just one big softball of a movie, right? <laughs> Nothing is going to challenge you or surprise you in this. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, I, I, if I if I knew a single thing about sports, I would have tried to come up with a tennis analogy there. But I'm just I'm so lame that I couldn't even think of one. So I had to use softball. Anyway, whatever the <laughs> tennis equivalent of a softball is, that's what that movie is. And but I I just. He, I just couldn't, the whole time I was watching that movie, I kept thinking, who else could have played that role? Mm. Just really and truly, who else? There's nobody else who could have played that role. It, it, it could only be Will Smith, and he's so good in it, and he's so Will Smithy in it. And I just feel like there have been a lot of times when Will Smith has been overlooked for these performances in the past, for Pursuit of Happiness, for um, Ali, all these, all these, all these other kind of dramatic roles that maybe you could say he could have or should have uh, gotten the Oscar for. I think this will be his year. I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to beat out Benedict Cumberbatch. That's that's mm. my prediction. I don't know. Ugh. It's a it's a it's a nail biter. It is. It is a nail biter. Uh, you know what else is a nail biter, Rafer? Yes. <laughs> it's what? not necessarily a nail biter, but it's a category I know you're mad about. <laughs> you're talking about the fan favorite category. Yes, fan favorite. God, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid fan favorite. <laughs> I feel like Charlton Heston in the Planet of the Apes. You did it. You finally did it, you <laughs> bastards. I can't believe they, they're really doing it this year. The, the, the fan favorite. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't understand what we're talking about, Rafer, explain what we're talking about with fan favorites. It's it's so you know this goes all the way back. <laughs> this goes all the way back to the uh, to the Dark Knight, right? The Dark Knight gets snubbed at the Oscars. Everyone gets mad. The Oscars are out of touch, uh, you know. And so we expand the Oscar field. So there's ten. Maybe that'll make room for more for more uh, films uh, to get into the the best picture category. But the Oscars are still out of touch. How are we going to reconcile? How how are we going to fix this problem of the Oscars being so out of touch? I know we'll have a fan favorite Oscar, a fan favorite (laughs) Oscar, where people can vote for their favorite picture. And that way, maybe something that people actually like will get in. 
it sends such a bizarre message. We already have measurements of fan favorite. There are a few of them. Yes. There are People's Choice Awards, for example. Right. And as you said off mic to me, Rafer, before today's taping, there's something called the box office. Yes, it's called the box office. <laughs> we, we, we know how many people bought how many tickets of Spider-Man No Way Home. We already know what the fan favorite is. Why are we doing this? Why don't you give the Oscar to Spider-Man for selling the most tickets? Why don't we have a... It just, it makes no sense. Also, it's a, it's a write-in category, too. So, I mean, God knows what you're going to get, right? God knows. What people, <laughs> people could write in just some totally bizarre straight-to-video release, one of Bruce Willis's 50, you know, DVD releases that he put out this year. You have no idea what, pe- what kind of crazy crap people are going to do these days. I just feel like the Oscars have really opened themselves up to total embarrassment with this. Oh, boy. Wow. It wouldn't be the first time. They love to embarrass themselves. But this is pretty bad. They certainly do. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty bad. I mean, I think, the, I think the problem is, as we all know, is that the Oscars are kind of on the ropes. I mean, movies have had a, a tough couple of years with the pandemic. And people have, you know, they've been drawn back to their televisions, like, which, they were, which was happening already. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, I think the Oscars are a little scared. I think you can feel it. I think you can feel like there's a, there's a real, uh, there's a sense of fear out there that people are tuning out. And they're trying to figure out. Anything they can figure out to get people to tune back in, even if that means having a freaking, you know, write in <laughs> category. I don't, yeah. It's, anyway, we'll, I can't wait to see what they're going to come up with on Oscar night. Boy. All right. All right. Now that we've done with fan favorite, we're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, just a reminder, you can always follow us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Miser. We always share our movie, music, and pop culture opinions there. When we're back, we share our picks for best song, director, and picture. Stay with us. Hey, everyone. We are back with more predictions and preferences for the 2022 Oscars. And now, Rafer, let's talk original songs. Okay, exciting category here. All right, first up, we have Be Alive, music and lyrics by Dixon and Beyonce Knowles-Carter. That's from King Richard. Dos Orduguitas, music and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Perhaps you've heard of him. That's from Encanto. (laughs) Uh, Down to Joy, music and lyrics by Van Morrison. That's from Belfast. No Time to Die, music and lyrics by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, her brother. That is from, obviously, No Time to Die. And last, Somehow You Do, music and lyrics by Diane Warren. That's from Four Good Days. Ah, Diane Warren. Love lift us up where we belong, Rafer. Lift <laughs> us up. Be, wouldn't be an Oscar category for best song without Diane Warren somewhere <laughs> in it. Um, Kristen, what's your opinion here? Well... I don't understand the Encanto music choice here. Like, what about, we don't talk about Bruno or one of the, like, songs that's snappy and viral that everybody loves. This was the one you chose? I know. Really? It's odd, isn't it? I, I don't I, get it. I was in shock when I saw that this was the song. Of all the songs in that mediocre movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good movie, in my opinion. Um, the The song that should have been nominated was We Don't Talk About Bruno. Now, but am I misremembering? It seemed to me that they that this was the song that they submitted and that got chosen and that and so that <gasps> this got the award. They chose stuff. that? 
Well, I mean, I think I think someone had to choose that song and submit it. I could be wrong there, but it seemed to me like basically that was the song that was chosen. But then after that is when I started hearing everyone singing "We Don't Talk About Bruno," and so I just I just wonder if they like you know they just misjudged which would be the song that would turn into the hit, and they and they just didn't realize what had happened because I kept thinking I kept seeing Dos Orteguitas, and I kept thinking to myself, is that the song that I'm, is that the actual name of the don't talk about? Because it, it, I'm like you. I was very confused. I just wondered if, you know, if they'd been given an extra week or two of time and realized that don't talk about Bruno had become the big, like, populist hit. I wondered if they might have changed their tune, literally. Uh, I don't know. Ah. Ah. <laughs> That's not so, a very good pun. Boy. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. Thanks, Kristen. So, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of an odd choice of songs here, but I'm just going to tell you who I want to win and who I think will win. I think it's the same person. I think it is one Beyonce Knowles Carter. Yes, me too. Me too. Tell oh, me. good. Yes. Good, good, good. Yes. It I... is such a fantastic song. Be Alive uh, in the chorus when there's like a three-part harmony and it's all just a mix of Beyonce singing. Yeah. It is so powerful and beautiful. And then there's personal affirmation and power that are throughout the song about being proud to be black. And it's just a really powerful song, a really beautiful song. And it really suits what King Richard is about and what Serena Williams totally. and uh, Venus Williams and their dad were about when they're rising up to try and be the best they could and face down a lot of haters. It's a beautiful song and it really suits the movie. Sometimes the songs feel like they don't even belong in the movie. Right. But this song really captures the spirit of the movie and it's a beautiful song. Beyonce does a great job singing it. I I love it. I want it to win and I think it absolutely will. Partly because also a little politics here. Beyonce, she was shortlisted for her song for Lion King, but the song was never nominated, ah, right? Ah, that's right. And you know how the politics of, you know, the Oscars go sometimes like, oh, we kind of overlooked that person, right. maybe we should bring it back now. <laughs> but in this case, it's very well deserved. I think it's a fantastic song. But Reefer, you were saying that you also like the song. I do like this song. I agree with everything that you were saying. I think it really, really fits with the um, just the theme and the tone of the movie. I think it's got that great little bit of a spiritual vibe all like almost mm-hmm. a you know almost a gospel vibe to it but it's but it's total pop and it I just think it's really catchy um however I don't think she's going to win I think it's going to go to Billie Eilish and I and I will tell you <gasps> why? why I'll tell you why, why. here's mm-hmm. why because if there's one thing that the academy voters love it's when a young pop whippersnapper pays tribute to the old guard Hollywood. Do you remember when Lady Gaga came on the show and sang The Sound of Music? Do you remember that? <laughs> I was so appalled by that. I, it, took, it, took me, it took me years, years to I get over that. I walked it out until this moment because I actually was just like, like I don't need to remember this moment. I'm just going to wipe my memory. Right oh, God, it was just so, uh, I really hated that. But I think, I think everyone really loved that, right? It's the, it's the new generation, but they also love the old generation. I think that's what's happening here with Billie Eilish. You've got this young uh, pop phenom who's just on the top of the charts, on the top of everything. Uh, and here she's going back and doing an old style, kind of 60s-ish, uh, maybe not Shirley Bassey, but kind of an 
old style, big, grand James Bond film with the big sweeping orchestral flourishes. It's moody, it's dramatic, it's grand. Um, and I think that's going to warm the cockles of the Academy's heart. And I think they're going to give it to Billie Eilish. So be prepared for Oscar winner Billie Eilish uh, when, when, we, when we mention Billie Eilish in the future. Oh. But, uh, but I don't know. Listen, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, Kristen. <laughs> But, Rafer, it's now time to do the big categories. We're going to do director and we're going to do picture, but uh, director, of course, first. So for Best Director, the nominees are P.T. Anderson, a.k.a. Paul Thomas Anderson, for Licorice Pizza. Ooh, I have a lot to say about that movie. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Well, Kristen, just get it off your chest about Licorice Pizza. Oh, I hate that movie so much. Ooh, boy. I don't understand how this became one of the most celebrated movies of the year. I'm like, is this for people who love Hollywood, who are older and feel like this is my Hollywood that I nostalgically love? I loved that era of misogyny and racism. I loved being rich and out of touch. <laughs> I loved being able to mess around with people who were legally not of age. I loved it. Look, no one's wearing a bra. <laughs> remember, remember when. <laughs> but I do feel like it's for a lot of the people in Hollywood who vote on these award shows. <laughs> people who want a movie about themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, I will say um, that's, a, that's a little something that I've noticed. Um, there's a lot of uh, Gen X nostalgia going around uh, this year and coming up. Um, there was, there was uh, Licorice Pizza. There was uh, "Come On, Come On" mm -hmm. by um, Mike Mills, and and uh, to, in Mike Mills' defense, he, that that's what he does. He makes movies about his own life that are sort of directly inspired by his own life. But you know, this here's this movie where he's throwing in all these references about you know the books that have made an impression on him, books that he's read. That's kind of what he does. But um, it's it's clearly that kind of film. And then Richard Linklater, who also makes mm -hmm. a lot of movies like that, has got another one coming out about the Apollo Eleven space mission. So. There's there's a lot of this kind of floating around in the air this uh, this Gen Xiness this uh, harking back to the 60s and 70s. So I I understand your impatience. I I do think this was always a long shot for best picture and best director, but I do think the um, the bad press over the uh, Asian characters in the movie um, have probably sunk its chances pretty permanently. I think so. Who would you uh, who would you vote for, and who do you think is going to take it, Kristen? Well. I want Spielberg to win. I think he did. You do. I think he did an outstanding job of Me too. adapting the play. He wasn't copying the film. He was yep. he, he was taking the play and you know you, you might note that the songs are in different orders than they are in the original movie. Yes, that's um, right. Because it is an adaptation of the play and the way it is adapted is so beautiful. I, I feel that, you know, Tony Kushner, of course, gets a lot of credit for yep. his rewrites and so on. But Spielberg does something so much better than the original film does, which is embrace cinematography. Yep. This is a cinematic, huge movie. It doesn't ever feel like you're watching just a soundstage. Right. His camera moves all through the city. You feel immersed in the city. You see the camera do all sorts of exciting things and move around spaces and people. And I just thought it was such a beautiful film. And Spielberg just, he knows how to do that movie magic. And he really hits a home run with this. I, I thought he did a great job. I want him to win. And 
I'm just going to say I think he will win. Really? I do. Yes, I do. I know that's a controversial statement. Ooh, Kristen. Not a lot of people think he's going to win, but I think he's going to surprise us all, and he's going to win, especially with those old voters who are like, oh, I, I like this musical from my youth. <laughs> kind of like what you were saying earlier about like Lady Gaga singing Sound of Music. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's actually a good point. I mean, that you could almost call West Side Story, uh, it, it almost fits in with this whole kind of nostalgic uh, throwback, yes, right, to the uh, exactly. 60s and 70s. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the, what, the play was the late 50s, the movie was 61. But, but anyway, yes, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a nostalgia play, which is why I think it didn't do that well at the box office. Um, I don't think it really resonated much with people outside of Steven Spielberg's general age. <laughs> I, you know, if you're a young person today, what does West Side Story really mean to you, right? Nothing. <laughs> and the two stars, uh, you know, even Ansel Elgort, it's, you know, it's not like... It's not like they had uh, Drake or something in that role, or you know what I mean. Like it's not he wasn't like a he's not a huge huge star name. So it was kind of too bad because I agree with you. I loved West Side Story, and I thought Steven Spielberg directed that movie like he was a twenty two year old kid on his first film, like he was going to prove to the world what he could do or something. He he seemed like he was young and hungry. It was an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I would like him to win. For best director too, but I am telling you, Christian, it's going to be Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. It's just got to be. She's, I know. I know. I know. She's winning all the awards. People love her. I the know. critics love her. And it's, and it's very strange because this is this is uh, one of those things where it's so hard to make a generalization about kind of what's going on at the Oscars this year. But they've chosen another one of these films, just like Nomadland last year. One of these kind of slow burn, thoughtful moody, I will just say not what I would call uplifting. Oh, no, it's not. Movies, you know, <laughs> uh, to really throw all of their critical plaudits and, and all the sort of the power of the, of the, of the Oscars onto. And it seems like Campion's going to win. I do think with all the buzz about Campion becoming the third woman to ever win this award, and she's won the Directors Guild Award as well, which pretty much means she's got it in the bag. But to turn around and give that to Spielberg, I think, would make the Oscars look really bad. And no, no fan favorite, no fan favorite award is going to fix that no. if that happens. No, no, no. But as far as slow burns go, I got to say Drive My Car was a better slow burn for me than Power of the Dog. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, a lot of polarizing, a lot of polarizing opinions about the Power of the Dog. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, but I was not, again, much like um, uh, The Lost Daughter, I was not necessarily bowled over by it. I, it's, it's, it's on my top 10, but um, it was not, you know, it didn't like just totally knock my socks off. I liked it a lot. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. And now, Rafer, we only have one category left. The big one. We're talking best picture of the year. All right. Here's the list. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up. Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. All right, Rafer, tell us, who do you want to win and who do you think will win? Well, there are some movies on here that I love, starting with Coda. Coda was such mm. a good movie, and I was so happy. I love that yeah, movie so much. I, love I was it. so happy to see this little movie uh, have such a great year. You know, record-breaking purchase out of Sundance, twenty-five million bucks they picked that thing up for. Worth every penny, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean it. And I, I, I 
queued it up one night to watch with my family. And we had a, a we had a, who do we have over? We had a, another family member over and I was looking for a crowd pleaser. And I, I remember thinking like, oh my God, you guys have got all this other stuff I'm supposed to watch, all these other movies I could be watching. I don't really want to watch this sort of obvious heart warmer, you know, and I just, I wasn't <laughs> in the mood. It didn't look that interesting to me. And I was just completely won over by it. It was so, it was just so good. Love Coda, love Nightmare Alley. God, did I love Nightmare Alley. Not many people did, but I did. I, I thought it was pretty good. You liked it? Okay, you liked it? Okay, I thought good. it was pretty good. I, I she, wouldn't say it was a 10 out of 10, but I, I was, you know, totally entertained in that cast. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Every time there's another scene, it's like, oh, here's another Oscar winner. God, I know, right? Yeah, right. Oh, here's another Oscar winner. The cast is mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. To- but I, everyone was kind of like you. Everyone's like, oh, I really like Nightmare Alley. And I, I always feel like throttling them and saying, it is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> You can't say that about it. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> however, however, I got to say I would vote for West Side Story. Tonight, tonight, the world is full of light. I just, and I, and I, uh, call me, call me old guy, but I just thought it was so just so vibrant and fun and it and it seemed relevant to today i felt like it really fit the culture of the of the moment with you know the the, the white nativists and the and the immigrant gangs and um and it it had a little extra edge a little extra toughness to it that i thought made it feel uh modern um I, i've already praised yeah it had stuff that was glossed over in the original movie. Yeah, right. They, they right. went full force into the sexual assault scene into... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. That's a great scene. I, I mean, stuff like that. There are things that they were not comfortable doing or unable to do back in the day that are front and center in this movie that totally. really uh, make the movie feel like it's hitting real, real issues. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. So that's my choice for who uh, who I would say deserves this award. But... I think it's going to be Power of the Dog. Ah, uh, now, gentlemen, look, see, that's what you do with the cloth. Oh, it's really just for wine drips. Oh, you got that, boys? Only for the drip. <laughs> now get us some food. I think everyone is just behind that movie. It's it's a. I understand. I understand why I'm not taking anything away from uh, the 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 craft and the the intensity of that movie. It's a little odd to me though why that movie has become the big sort of the big cause celebre of this of of this year and why the Oscars seem so behind it. It's interesting, but I think it's going to take yeah. it. And and Kristen, what about you? Yeah, I also think it's really interesting. I just feel in recent weeks it's just picked up the momentum for Power of the Dog. Yeah. Even three months ago, I didn't hear people talking about it very much. But just in the last few weeks, I feel like I hear people talk about it everywhere in the awards. Oh, well, the ad campaign has been, yes. you know, unst- it's, it's Netflix. I mean, they've got, you know, unlimited money to throw at this thing. And they and they have. Yes, they have. But I'm going to say if I had my druthers, Coda would win. Oh, that would be your pick? I just loved Coda. You're the, the girl with the deaf family? Everyone but you? Yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Are you any good? I don't know. Oh my gosh, I would love it if that happened. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love it so much 
if it won. I just, oh, totally. I love that movie. Just oh, thinking totally. about it, sometimes I get a little teary thinking about how good that is. Yeah, it's so good. So, so good. But who will win? This is a shocker. I'm going to say something that you're going to disagree with. What? I think West Side Story is going to win. No, come on. Look at the age of the Academy voters, Rafer. Yes. Look at this group of voters. I hear you. I hear you. But I, mm, boy. These voters are not going to mm. vote for anything that is uh, overly complicated or challenging. They're going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I think, um, I don't know about that. I. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I, I just to go back to last year to look at Nomadland. I mean, that was a that was a real downer, uh, it was. very in, interior, uh, you know, very. Um, that was a very of the moment film addressing this, you know, economic hardship in the U.S. I mean, it was a it was a heavy movie, and uh, and the Oscars got totally behind it. I don't know. I don't know. I think one thing I would say is. If if I had to pick any two movies that were that were kind of neck and neck here, it, it probably would be Power of the Dog and West Side Story. Mm-hmm. But I think the Academy. It, it, this is interesting, right? Because we're in a year where the Academy, I think, is really concerned about its own relevance and yeah. all these movies that it keeps picking that no one has ever seen. And here you've got two choices that people have not really seen that much of. I don't think Power of the Dog has been widely widely seen by America. Um, we don't really know that because it's on Netflix, so we mm-hmm. can't really tell. But West Side Story, nobody went and saw that damn movie. But West Side and Story so, is... I'm I just, don't know. I'm just going to interject here. Nobody saw either of those, right? But West Side Story, to go back to the Oscar voters, the Oscar voters, look at who they are, look at the age they are, and then also look at the fact that they have been rightly criticized for being very white, not diverse, not acknowledging yep. diversity, and this is a really easy way for them to say, "Look, we we like this diverse movie." Ah, you think the diversity aspect uh, will work because it's got a, a big Latinx uh, uh, yes. cast? You've got the you've got the not the non-binary uh, performer as well exactly. playing anybody's. Yeah. Okay, okay, and yet it's still just like an old classic favorite of Hollywood, something that you know is nostalgic and uh, has beautiful music and so on, something that's from their childhood. They can still enjoy all those things. Yeah, they were some of them remember for sure. But yep. it will also be a way for them to say, yeah, we obviously care about diverse stories. Look at this best picture. Yeah, that could be. Maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. you're right, Kristen. And Power of the Dog is a very white movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's, that is actually true. That is actually true. I mean, there's obviously LGBTQ themes in Power of the Dog, but it's still very, very white. Right, that's true. Um, well, listen, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Oscars, uh, never fail to, uh, never fail to amaze me. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And upset me. (laughs) They do both. They amaze and they upset. They love and then they betray. That's, and I keep going back for more. You're so right, Kristen. You're so right. I, I'm, gonna, I'm right there with you. I'm always going to come back for more. I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> well, Rafer, it has been so fun getting back together to talk about the 2022 Oscars. And all of you out there, let us know. Weigh in on our Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Let us know who you are rooting for to win, who you think will win, who you really don't want to win. Let us know on the Facebook community or tweet us again at Rafer Guzman or at Kristen Meinzer. Don't forget your fan favorite either. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and one more reminder.
reminder, we've got a lot of bonus episodes coming your way every other week. Uh, so please keep an eye on your feed. Yes. Loads of bonus episodes. We're not going away anytime soon. I know a lot of people thought no. we were going to just evaporate, but no, we're not evaporating. You're stuck with us. <laughs> you can't get rid of us that easy. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. And happy Oscars, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.